Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Parents, I, one of the nice things about our junior church department, of course, we have great workers, really love the Lord, and, uh, and most of the kids actually make it out safely. So we feel, feel pretty good about that. No, they got a great program, great, great program. And uh, the Vosburgh pew is filled. That's awesome. Good to see you this morning. That's terrific. I do have an announcement um, on the crayon drive. <laughs> of course, this is for getting the gospel in public school system in various places. I feel like I always have to describe that. Uh, but final results from the crayon drive. Uh, crayon boxes, 420. And uh, money that was given towards that, $303. So successful, uh, successful drive to help uh, with that effort. And uh, it's funny, it's just a logistic thing, but... Boy, you needed to get in there, and it's, it's uh, just a terrific, uh, terrific ministry. All right, well, let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 10. I was reading through my Bible this week, and um, how's your Bible reading going? I know this isn't exactly one-on-one time, but I hope it's going well. Um, I hope you're reading it regularly. It's uh, just so important. I was reading through my Bible, and just you read, and it's, there's no shortage of topics, and everything seems to be very applicable and, and meaningful and important. And as, as I was going through my, my preparation for this, I, I came across John chapter 10. Now, we're not on a series, so we are covering different topics and different weeks. Most times we're on a series. We're not in a series now, and I kind of like it, actually. And I settled on John chapter 10 because it's just all about Jesus. And there's different topics that we've been covering and, you know, here and there, and all very important. I think, I think let of God to cover those topics. I, I really do. I, I pray about every theme, every series, everything. I, I really do, and I, I believe that, that that's what God would have me to bring. And I do. I, I believe that. And, um, but when I came across this, it said, just everything faded away. Just to bring a message on Jesus. Because he's our everything. He's the son of God. He's the second part of a triune Godhead. He's the creator of all that is. He's before all things, and by him all things consist or are held together. And he just is worthy of all of our uh, admiration and our love, our, the, all the honor and glory we can give to him, he certainly deserves. We're going to look at John chapter 10. It's going to be verses 1 through 29, kind of a, 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 a large portion of Scripture. I'm not going to promise this is going to be the shortest sermon you ever heard. But, uh, but I'm not going to keep you a long time. But it's all about Jesus. And the subtitle is The Keeper. Jesus, the Keeper. He keeps us. You know, like that song we sang. And I don't know how you remember. How many can remember the first song we sang today? Anybody? Good. I'm not alone. <laughs> but whatever it was, it was really good. And I, I just, I, I love singing the songs we sing, and I should have looked it up, obviously, for reference sake. Um, but just these great songs about, with, containing biblical truth, uh, a new name written down in glory, there you go, 
a new name written down in glory. Brother Mike, did you remember that? No, he, he picked him out. There you go. A new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. I love that song. You know, because we're not just singing stuff to make people happy. This is biblical truth, of course, in song, applied in a musical way and, you know, arranged in a little bit different order than particular, maybe specifically just a verse. But a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven. I'm so thankful that, that I'm a forgiven sinner. Are you a forgiven sinner? I hope you are. If you're not a forgiven, we know you're a sinner. There's no question about that. And I don't say it in a condescending way because we're all cut from the same cloth on that. But a forgiven sinner. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven. Why is that? Because of Jesus. Because of his mercy. Because of his grace. Because of the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate sacrifice that he made to pay for our sin on the cross of Calvary by shedding his own precious blood for us. Just wonderful. So I want to bring a message on Jesus. And so John chapter 10 was a, was a, is a wonderful, concise chapter. It deals with uh, several wonderful attributes of Christ. We're going to read verses. We're going to start by reading verses 1 through 6. We're not going to read all verses, all verse, uh, 29 verses right now. But John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, Jesus is speaking here. And he starts off emphatically. Verily, verily, it means it's, it's with great emphasis. Verily, verily. I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers." This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they, they were which he spake unto them. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege to be in your house today. This is the Lord's day. And Lord, it's the Lord's work, and it is truly marvelous in our eyes. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit of God who very specifically moves in our hearts, in our minds, to help us to think about those things and to understand those things that are most important. I'm so thankful, we are so thankful, that our relationship, our relationship with you is, is real and is profound, and it brings eternal benefits. Lord, we pray that if there be any here today that have not yet trusted Christ as their Savior, has not yet repented of their sin, and ask you to forgive them, believing that Jesus died for them on the cross to pay their, the price for their salvation. Lord, we pray that this would be the day of salvation. Lord, help us to uh, be attentive unto what you have for us. We thank you again, Lord, for the word of God, for the spirit of God, and for our time together, and for all the blessings you've given to us. And Lord, we do pause for just a moment for one special prayer request for uh, Hannah Adamkoski and her children and her family and Lord, as they um, are, are, are recovering from this very sudden change, uh, Lord, we're comforted, so comforted to know that uh, this faithful servant is with the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing things that we can only imagine. And we ask, Father, that you'd give special grace and mercy to them 
at this time, and not just at this time, Lord, but Lord, throughout the days to come. We pray this, Father, knowing that you will. We're confident that you will. But Lord, we do pray for their well-being, for their strength, and uh, Lord, that you'd be magnified in, in all that's said and done. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is the keeper. The first thing we see in the first six verses is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, it's just so clear. It really breaks a trend that somebody might have if they think about, well, religion. Because a lot of people think religion, religion is very good. You know, I, have you, I'm sure you've had it happen where you might be talking to them about Christ or about the Bible, and they might say, have you, have you ever heard someone say to you, oh, you're very religious? You know, and they mean it as a compliment. We take it as, that's fighting words. <laughs> I am definitely not religious. I don't want to be religious. I don't want to be a religious person. Religion is not totally bad. James talks about, about pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father. So there's a reference to it. But our, rela- our, 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 our reality is in a relationship. It's, it's having trust in Christ as Savior, believing that the Bible's true. Amen? I remember, and let me just digress for just a moment, when I, when, my, I, when I came back from California, I'd been away for about a year and a half, my brother's now going to Independent Baptist Church, and they're reading the Bible, and they're preaching the Bible, and I remember thinking, when I start opening up, this is it. This really is it. And folks, to this day, I still conclude, this really is it. There is no book that'll ever surpass this in importance. This is the very word of God. And it contains in it the very words of life. And this particular passage we're looking at today really emphasizes the importance and the, the special, special shepherd relationship that Jesus has with his own. And we read the verses. Uh, of course, verse 1, uh, He that entereth not by the door into sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Of course, Jesus is the only way, and the sheep hear his voice. There is a reference here, and there has been some commentary written about about the shepherd and under-shepherd, talking about pastors and spiritual leaders, and there's absolute truth in that. But I like to lay the, the ultimate uh, application on Jesus being the shepherd. He is the wonderful shepherd. Sheep, um, we don't need to pound this, this point home, because we all know it. Sheep are not very smart animals by any means, and we're liking them to sheep. And it's not derogatory, but it's just simply saying, don't trust in your own thoughts, don't trust in your own cleverness or your own intellect, but rather trust the one who's leading us. Of course, that's Jesus Christ. We need to trust him. And we might think we have a better way. And a lot of people have thought they have a better way. They never have a better way. There's never been a better way than to follow the leading of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse um, 3 and 4, it says, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Do you remember the first time when you really felt like you heard Jesus' voice? And I'm not talking about in an auditory way, like physical sensation with the five senses and hearing him specifically, because I've never heard his voice in that way. I've never heard his voice in that way. But how many times has it been when you feel as though God is talking to you directly about something very specific? It might be something that you were considering doing, and God says, stop it right now. Don't even go in. Don't take another step. We've heard that before. There's been times when we might hear the voice of God, and it'll be a voice saying something like, why'd you do that? What were you thinking? Why did you do that? You know what? I'm very thankful for those times. I'm thankful for the times when we might hear the voice of God, 
and we're reading the, the word of God, he might instill in our hearts. For instance, this morning we talked about, uh, about the great feast and inviting people to the feast and go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. And being one of those inviters, we invite people. And there are times when we might be maybe distracted with something else of some value, but not of highest value. And then we hear the voice of God, the voice of Jesus saying, go invite. And how many times does that happen? That happens many times. It says, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And really, folks, all the things that we do in our service for Christ is nothing that he hasn't already done for us. It's nothing he hasn't done himself, inviting others, calling out. He even said about Jerusalem, just in the final days of his earthly ministry, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thee as a hen gathered through chicks? And he, he, but you would not. He, he invited, he welcomed, he encouraged, he, he warned. Because <laughs> he's a good shepherd. He's a wonderful shepherd. And I'm so thankful that, that our names are written down in glory. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand right now, because I'm just not right now, but, but ask yourself, have I, have I definitely repented of my sin and trusted Christ as Savior? It's, it's so very important. And I know most people would, would raise your hand and say yes, and I'm thankful for that, and I take that at, at, uh, at, at uh, obvious truth. But you, maybe you're here and saying, no, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I remember going to church and thinking, I don't know. I, I think so. I mean, I believe in God. I like what I'm hearing. I like church. You know, as long as it doesn't go too long. I like church, and I like what I'm hearing, but I, I really didn't know that I was saved, and I wasn't saved. It took a little while for me for the... For, for, for the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God, the Holy Spirit took the Word of God and really convicted me with it and, and left me with this decision, what will you do? And uh, like you, I couldn't avoid it. And like you, I had to do something about it. I had to answer that question. And I realized that I needed Jesus. I needed him. I could not make it on my own, and, and neither can you. But we have someone who's, who's a great shepherd. He's a wonderful, wonderful shepherd, and so the first thing that we see is that he is the shepherd of the sheep. And then we're going to look down in verses uh, uh, 7 through 10. He's the door of the sheep. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. He is the door for the sheep. He is the door. You can't get there any other way. And he's very clearly, in verse 1 of this chapter, uh, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and the robber. So he's saying he's a, he's a shepherd, he watches over the sheep, but also he is the door. So there's a couple different facets of Jesus' relationship with the sheep that were being presented in this chapter. It says, I, verily, verily, again, very emphatic. Whenever you say, whenever you see, verily, verily, take it as being especially important. And not to diminish the importance of anything else that's written, but there are times when you're talking with someone, you say, hey, I really want you to hear this. Not that everything else was unimportant, but this is really important. What I'm about to say will tie together so many of the things we've already talked about. And this is what's happening here. Jesus said, and verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. So somebody who's sitting there, they're saying, well, I wonder what he means by that. Well, he said, verily, verily. 
I am the door of the sheep. You know, there's been times in Jesus' ministry, some people, they, they would say, why don't you just tell us who you are? Matter of fact, I almost went to that chapter today. That's in John's Gospel too. And he said, I told you before. I told you. What's interesting about that passage is he really didn't have that many times recorded in Scripture. He said, I'm the one. I'm the Savior. I'm the Messiah. He didn't do it that way. What he did was he preached the Word of God with truth. He performed miracles in their very eyes. He fulfilled the Scripture that was given. In that way, he told them numerous times. Now here he says, again, very emphatically, you're wondering who I am? Some of you might think that, that Jesus, as he's presenting himself, that, that he's a teacher, that he's a prophet. Some say he's the Messiah, a miracle worker. What, what, how does this all tie together? And Jesus ties it all together. No matter what road you're on up to that point, is he a healer? Is he a prophet? How does he tie in with John the Baptist? They had a, a lot of questions. Jesus is tying it together. Very emphatically, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He didn't say I'm, one, I'm another option. Well, I'm just one of many. I, you can find another one down the road, or I'm just one of them. No, he said, I am the door. If anybody had any question on the relative importance of Jesus' ministry and the words that he spake, and on his person, this removed all doubt. So he's not saying, oh, I leave it up to you. Come to your own conclusions. He said, verily I say unto you, I am the door, the one and only door of the sheep. And he is the door of the sheep. And he says, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. Now again, just to put it in context, he's not saying that every, certainly not every prophet, every preacher was a thief and robber. He's talking all those who would attempt to stand in his place. They're thieves and they're robbers. Those ones who would come up and say, oh, here's another way. It could be uh, Hinduism. Hinduism's a, a very old religion. I'm not being derogatory to people that may believe that, but it's a false way. And they're thieves and robbers. It, there is no way other than through Jesus Christ. And I don't remember if I mentioned earlier now or in Sunday school, but Jesus said in John chapter 8, he said, and if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. He could not be clearer on his importance to our destiny. And he says, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep did not hear him. It's very clear. And he said, I am the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. How many times have you wondered about that? I've had people say that to me. How do you really know? I shared it uh, Wednesday night. Uh, again, a lady I'd led to Lord six, nine months ago, and a very, very religious person goes to church literally, I think, every day. I think literally every single day. But one day, as she's in church, she says, but how do you really know? That's a great question. How do you really know? You know, I think about someone like that, like Cornelius. He was a good man. The Bible, Bible said he was a good man. He's a good man. He was a good man searching. And when you, and Jeremiah said, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search me with all your heart. And when someone searches, even if it's in the air of religion, they're searching, they're searching, they're searching. God will give them what they need to find it in Jesus Christ, not in the religion. He says very specifically, verse 9, I am the door. <laughs> no question about it. I am the door. And if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. What a proclamation to make. So this is not a parable. There are parables and there are teachings that are, that are more um, uh, unspecific in their application. Biblical principles, principles of truth. There are those that are out there and, and they're perfectly applied and perfectly stated. This is also is perfectly applied and perfectly stated when he said, I am the door. 
If any man shall enter in, he shall be saved. If somebody was just coming in, maybe they just heard about what Jesus said, what he was talking about. Oh, this is really interesting. I really want to hear what Jesus says. And then he says, I am the door. He that enter, if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved. Wow. Well, someone there had been wondering in their heart of hearts, how do you really know? He just said he's the way. I know where I can go. I don't have to hope it all works out. I know where I can go. I can go to Jesus, and he's right there. When he said this, he was literally right there. Now, he's not literally right there physically for us, but he's with us. He hears everything that we say. He knows everything that we think. He knows all of our highs. He knows all of our lows. And he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And the beautiful part of him not being here physically, and like you, I would be super thrilled if he was, wouldn't you? If I told you Jesus, by the way, is going to be in Waterville, New York. Well, first of all, you'd say, no way, not Waterville. If I told you he's going to be in Waterville, New York, today at 4 o'clock on the corner of a couple of streets, you would, I mean, you'd run over the people in back of you to get there on time because we'd want to be there. But you know what's better than that? Because that would be terrific. That'd be really exciting. God has chosen not to do that because you know what? There's a better way. He's with us with our eyes open. He's also there when our eyes are closed. And we're laying aside all the distractions of the world and all the encumbrances and all the problems that we have and all the blessings that we have. Just lay them aside. And now we're, we're talking to Jesus. We're coming to the Father in Jesus' name. And he's with us. And he said, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And he, and he warns us on the alternative the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. All of the other options, folks. All of the other options. Even if they're in the realm of Christian religions. All of the other options. Any option, any church, any message that would present anything else other than you need to personally repent and trust Christ as Savior, they are thieves. And they will steal and kill and destroy, no matter who they are, no matter how pleasant they may be. There's religions out there that have very pleasant people in them, super pleasant people. They're still, they came to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And I, uh, listen, we sing the songs that we sing, uh, and like that song, A New Name Written Down in Glory, okay. I, I can't help but get excited when I sing that song. I'm not a super excitable person, but I love that song. A new name written down in glory. And I, and I could point out most every song that we sing. But a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, it brings me back to the time when I trusted Christ as my Savior. It reminds me of those early days and how fresh and new it was. And you know what? It's only gotten better. And he came that we might have life. Before we knew Christ, before I knew Christ, I had a life. You had a life. And our lives were, they had some meaning. They had some direction. Maybe they had some value. Family values, ethics, morals. Could have a lot of those things. But they're all like, they're just skimming the surface. They're just barely getting along. And they're, they're relatively good. You make a good neighbor, for instance. And that's, that's okay. But man, when you know Christ, and you realize all of a sudden, my life has meaning. I'm not just some random product of some evolutionary bogus, really bogus scientific theory on evolution. I'm not just some random 
part of a process that, that has no e- eternal destiny, has no purpose. I am made in the image, the likeness and image of God himself. And he loves me. He loves me more than anyone could ever love me. There's a lot of people who walk around and they say, I love me. I guess there's a place for that somewhere. I'm having a hard time nailing it down. But I'm thankful he loves me. And he loves us more than anyone else ever could. I am come that they might have life and they might have more abundantly. Absolutely. We deal with things that elevate our lives to such a great high and noble level. Think about the word of God, God's purpose in our life, and all the wonderful things that he has for us. He, he's the shepherd. And he said in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. The wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. But Jesus wouldn't do that. He said, I am the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. And that's awesome. That's awesome. He'll do it like nobody else ever could. He is a good shepherd. In verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Let's, let's jump down to verses 18 and 19. I do want to cover that before moving on. We're going to close in just a little bit. But we're talking about Jesus. Really just focusing on Jesus. He's the good shepherd. He is the door for the sheep. And lastly, in just a moment, we're going to say he's the keeper of the sheep. You know, sheep, sheep can wander sometimes. You ever wander? Guess what? He never lost track of you. Never, ever lost track of you. In fact, he talks specifically about someone who will leave the 99 in safety and go find that one that went astray. And by the way, he does it so much better than anybody else can. I read this passage, and I understand there's an application of pastors in here. Certainly as you, as you read the first few verses and and, you know, it, it certainly applies to that. And the goal is for pastors, for any Christian, to, to, to follow this pattern. But I, I read it and I say, nobody could ever do it like Jesus does it. Oh, my goodness, nobody ever could like he does. And he does it so well. Sheep that wander. Maybe, they, maybe sometimes we plug our ears to what the, the shepherd is trying to say. We just, we just kind of plug our ears and we make our own way. We find the way that we, we go when we do that. They're not good ways. They're not helpful. They're not of any eternal value. Sometimes at best, it's a waste of time. And other times, it's a loss of eternal things. Not our salvation, but of eternal value and treasures and so on. But the good shepherd never forgets. The good shepherd never stops caring. He's a, he, the good shepherd loves like the prodigal son's father loves. Always looking for that prodigal son or that sheep to return. In verse 18 and 19, he talks specifically about his life. Is that another reason why we can just lift up the name of Jesus. He says, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. There was a division, therefore, again, among the Jews for these sayings. Well, I can understand why that would cause division. But think about how clear he is in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. If any man come in and out by me, he shall be saved. Saved. Maybe there are people who wondered, how can you really know? Jesus says, you can know, and I'm the answer. And then it's given kind of a warning of some things that will come, because he's going to die, and he knew this. He says, no man taketh it from me. 
Why is it important they say that? Because it's going to look like they did. But no man taketh it from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. Oh, he, he sure proved that. That Resurrection Sunday, what a, what a blessed thing that was. Then we're going to jump down to verses 22 through 29, the keeper of the sheep. Verses 22 through 29, it says, And it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Another instance, one of just a few. If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. The keeper of the sheep, he keeps us. You know, it's a great introduction here. He's in the temple. And the Jews came up to him again. Just one of a couple of times when this happened, they said, are you really him? Answer me. Now, John the Baptist asked that question. He sent his disciples, talked to Jesus, said, are you really him or should we look for someone else? I think John the Baptist knew he just wanted confirmation. He wanted that black and white yes. He wanted that. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. Here, the leaders, I don't know if they're really looking because they want to know. I want to know if you're really the one. Are they looking to say, are you really going to say it? Are you really going to go that far and say you're the one? And Jesus said very clearly, I told you and believe not. Now, how did he tell them? Again, like I referenced before, he told them by all the things that he said. For instance, in this particular passage, he said, I am the door. If any man go in and out by me, he shall be saved. And they said, <laughs> they come up right after he said that. Now tell us the truth. Are you really him? Yes. I told you before. I am the one. You believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. The miracles that I've done, Jesus said. The healings. The giving sight to the blind. Hearing to the deaf. Uh, curing the lepers. Raising people from the dead. These are pretty demonstrable acts that only someone sent from God could do. And he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. In verse 26, he says, ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as they said unto you. He's not saying, you're not of my sheep, and you can't be of my sheep. He said, but he says, you're not of my sheep. But how do you get to be one of his sheep? Well, you, you believe. That's how you get to be one of his sheep. He says, you haven't done that yet. The things that, that God gives us, and Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians, they're spiritual. And the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. That's where they were coming from. They want to come head first. Well, wait a minute, let me just figure all this out. And Jesus said, well, you're not one of my sheep. My sheep know me. See, if you knew me, you'd know me. You'd hear my voice. You don't know me, and you're asking these questions because you're not my sheep. You're not one of my sheep. I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But what I see here in, in, in these last few verses, it says in verse 28 and 29, uh, it says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. So if you've trusted Christ as Savior, repented of your sin, trusted Christ, 
you'll never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I had this conversation with someone years ago, and they said, yeah, but if you sin, you need to get born again again. I phrased it that way, a little humorous, but but that, that was their conclusion. If you sin, then you need to get you know, saved again. Well, why would he say this? Do you really think that there was any period of time ever, from the time of Christ till now, in which the majority of believers would never sin again? Was there ever a time like that? It certainly doesn't exist now. It didn't exist then. Paul himself uh, speaks in, in that direction, and we see evidence of, of believers' lives where they had sinned, David and so many others. So he's not talking to people who would believe and then never sin again, because there was never a time in history when that was a predominant reaction and follow-through of Christians. Sinless? Absolutely. Forgiven? Absolutely. Growing in grace and knowledge? Absolutely. But he says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I, I like that never perishing part. I love that never perishing part. You know, my dad got saved on his deathbed just a few hours before he died. This is, uh, that was October of 1979. I need to save for a few months after that. Uh, so I didn't know it. I didn't know what happened. I didn't appreciate the value of it then. But I heard it later. They shall never perish. Didn't have a big track record of Bible reading. But he trusted Christ. He was led to Christ by someone who had the audacity to tell him about Christ. And that's where we come in. We tell him about Christ. We invite them. We explain. We give the gospel. My sheep, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Jesus, it's all, it's all, all, all about Jesus. And, he, and he's the keeper. He's a wonderful keeper. Verse 29, my father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck him out of my father's hand. That's, it was true then. It's true now, and I'm just so thankful that we're saved by grace through faith. Never of works, before or after salvation. Saved by grace through faith. It's all about Jesus. He's the keeper of our souls. We have so much to be thankful for. There's worries that come up in life. Oh, you've probably never experienced any. But the other people, they've experienced some. Worries. Worries come up. I'm just so thankful that Jesus is in control, that he has our souls he knows our thoughts, and he has a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives. If we'll only follow. Let's bow our heads for just a minute. And uh, it's just a quiet time. Not really asking for any demonstrable response. But, you know, we're in God's house. It's the Lord's day. We have the God's word. And I know one thing we all can do, and that's thank Jesus for being who he is. The shepherd, the door, the keeper. He's everything to us. He's everything to us. And I'm just so thankful someday we're going to see him. If you've never repented of your sin, because it's our sin that separates us from God. It's our sin. We're sinners. We need God to forgive us. We need to ask him to forgive us. And the, the reason why he would forgive us is because our sins were paid for. The, the penalty for our sin was paid for on the cross by his only son. 
perfect, complete, extreme sacrifice. If you've never prayed to receive Christ as Savior, why not now? Why not pray? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know it. And Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for my sin. Someday I'm going to see him again. God, I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me and save me. I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I can't do this on my own. And Christian, you're here today. We just need to thank Jesus for being the keeper of our souls as he is, for being our entire well-being in everything that's eternal and spiritual. He's been so good to us and will always be so good to us. We're going to stand and sing a couple verses. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.